Welcome to Understand Suicide, the podcast of journalist and therapist Paola Fontanelli. Since her father's suicide in 2005, Paola has dedicated her life to breaking the silence around this most stigmatized of subjects. Her book, Understanding Suicide, Living with Loss, Paths to Prevention, was nominated for the National Book Award in Brazil, and the English edition is now available on Amazon. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to my podcast. Uh, Many of you already listened to my first interview that I published yesterday from the American Association of Suicidologists Conference that's happening here in Portland. And as I announced yesterday, today my topic would be grief, which is my jam. It's what I'm passionate about. And I have to say, and I think I've, I've mentioned this on my podcast before, I read a lot, and it's so rare that you, something new comes up, Sarah. And today, when Sarah, my guest today, Sarah Gare, and she started talking, I was like, whoa, finally someone comes up with a definition that... And this was kind of the feeling in the room when she started talking. Everyone was going, wow, wow, now finally someone put words into my feelings. So she is a loss survivor as well. She lost three friends to suicide, and her best friend was one of them. And that's one of the powerful stories she shared with us. So, Sarah, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me, Paula. Yes, so here's the main word of the day today, soul. Soul. Soul, yes. And I have to say, I'll be honest with you, when I looked at the title and I said soul, to me it read like a religious thing. Mm -hmm. Because, and here's the thing, I was thinking about this. Why did I think it was religious related? And as as someone who does not follow any religion, I was kind of eh, resisting your your talk today. But you know, but, but I thought about this. But here's why: in my language, Portuguese, soul in Portuguese is alma, a l m a, alma is only used in in a religious context. Mm, Isn't that interesting? interesting. I was trying to figure out why why does it bother me? Because I was connecting it in Portuguese to to the word. You don't use soul in this broader context like you do in English, like the essence of, of... of the human being, who you really are, your values and everything. So I want to start there. So can you give us, uh, first of all, how did it come up to you? I mean, how did you come to this? There is a term that she uses and she'll talk about it, but why talk about soul? Well, you know, I told the story today of how I came to the the place of thinking about soul exhaustion as a concept, mm-hmm. and that's what you're referring to, you know. But I, I feel like having worked in suicide prevention and, and in trauma response, we talk a lot about suicide grief, mm-hmm. and obviously all of that is totally valid. Some people occasionally will talk about the trauma involved mm-hmm. in suicide, but pretty rare, really, that people talk about that. And even still, I felt like, but there's more. There's more to the ways that we're impacted Mm -hmm. when somebody that we love dies by suicide. Um, And so it came to me, as I tell the story about my trip up 
the, the mountain um, mm-hmm. and the exhaustion that I felt afterwards, you know, and I realized that I had felt that type of exhaustion at other times in my life. And the first time that really came to my mind was when my best friend had died. Uh-huh. And so in my mind, I thought to myself, you know, this, that was soul exhaustion, you uh-huh. know, to, to sort of differentiate it from physical exhaustion. So then I broke that down, soul exhaustion. Well, then I guess I have to decide what the soul really is first before uh-huh. I can talk about soul yeah. exhaustion. Yeah. And so obviously I went the stereotypical route of looking up the definition and doing all of that. But it's actually pretty complicated because mm-hmm. it sort of says, well, if you're talking about it in philosophy, it means this. But if you're talking about it in theology, it can mean this. Mm-hmm. So I decided what I really needed to do was talk to everyday people and get a better understanding of what the, the word soul meant. To them. to them, yeah. And what I have found is that if people have a religious belief, then the soul is part of that. But even for people who don't have any religious belief, the soul exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the one definition that people have used a lot that seems to cover all the bases is the deepest part of who you are uh-huh. yeah. uh, and the essence of who you are. And I really like that because... Mm-hmm. When my best friend died by suicide, the essence of who I was was shifted. Yeah, it changed. It changed. Yeah. Yeah, and, and she did, just for those of you who were not here and you're listening, she did this exercise that we were supposed to get up and talk to someone that we didn't know and just share our view and, okay, well, what is the soul, right? And it's funny because my definition to the person that I talked to, I said, well, I, I, I look at people as layers. So, so if you think of all the layers that we have, like right now, today, we have this very superficial layer of who you are. I'm a counselor, and the other one is the advocate. I'm a law survivor. We have these titles, but this is very, very superficial. To me, the soul, when you look at these layers, is the deepest layer you have. And it's and it's where your values are, where your beliefs. So it's it can be a small area, but it's very compact. Yeah, immutable in many ways. And it's it's the essence of who you are. So when you you gave the definition, I said, "Wow, that's funny," because yeah. that's how I felt it. Right. And and I actually said, and it's disconnected from spirituality for me, right. of course, disconnected from religion. It's it's the human beings, right. who you really are, and it, it's where your experiences are too. Your traumas they reside right. there, because those are the things that change you and make you who you are. So, yeah, they do, but I also think of it, you know, I lost my dad and um during the pandemic, but not of the pandemic, and that was a huge journey for me. And I feel like in the last few months of his life, he became the most honest him mm-hmm. that he had ever been. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there was something about that process that sort of washed some of those wounds away mm-hmm. and allowed him to actually show me the essence of who he really was. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when I think about the soul, I think of it as being the part of us when you wash away the pain, right? Because mm-hmm. pain can make us be angry. Pain can make us be resentful. Mm-hmm. Pain can make us be someone that's not true to who we mm-hmm. really are. Uh-huh. Um, so I like to try to figure out when I talk to people, what is your soul? Mm-hmm. Take all those things away. Mm-hmm. What's left? Yeah, and that's why the word essence, essence. is so important, right? Yeah. Because we change, and as we know, and those of 
my listeners know, we talk about this on the podcast quite often. When you go through grief, there's sometimes you look at yourself, you don't recognize yourself. And it's finding the way back to the soul or to the essence that's the real journey. Right. And it's so tough, yeah. right? It is tough. It is tough. But I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited because you saw today. Part mm-hmm. of the exercise I did is I put you all into back into your pairs and I said, fix it. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so people listed off their ideas of what would fix it. And then I moved my slide uh-huh. and everything people in the room said, almost everything, was up on the slide. Yeah. And the reason that matters is these slides aren't just from what I'm making up in my own head. Uh-huh. Everything that I'm talking about is from talking to people uh-huh. and asking them, what do you think? What would cause the soul exhaustion? What would fix soul exhaustion, right? And the more I talk to people, the more brilliant things I'm hearing. And I feel like for all these years, so many of us have hurt and been frustrated and felt lost. And in part, it's because we're always being given the same the same solutions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really want to come up with new solutions. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and what are these new? Well, tell me first, I mean, what are the common things that we talk, because one of the things you mentioned was, I know that people talk about grief and we, we do we do self-care. Let's talk about self-care and exercise and blah, blah, blah. And there are all these lists that, and they're all valid. Of course they are. And very important. Self-care is very important. So what is different in your yeah. approach? So self-care, and you're right, it, it is important. But I say that self-care is the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Self-care is what you need to stay alive. Keeping, yeah, keeping yourself alive. What yeah. I want to talk about is soul care. Okay, so we're talking about new solutions. What do you mean by that, and, and what are these new solutions? Well, I have, I have a whole bunch. <laughs> uh, and these are coming from both people who have been in this work long before me. In fact, I'm going back to the days of Viktor Frankl. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Otto Searching Rank. meaning, yeah. That's right, man's search for meaning. You know, looking at all of these different pieces, but really listening to lost survivors, people Mm -hmm. who've experienced suicidal intensity, and learning about how have people found this this recovery. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so the the meaning making is a big area that there's lots of ways that people can work on that. One of the ones I'm really excited about. Uh, and I'm giving you a little bit of a glimpse into what I'll be, I will be referencing some of this on Friday uh, when I do the plenary, uh-huh. is cultural connection. Oh, what do you mean by cultural? So one of the things that, you know, I guess you could say is really beautiful about the United States is this idea of people assimilating, right? But there's a real consequence for it, mm-hmm. which is that many people in the United States actually lose connection to their family heritage and to their family culture. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at, for example, seven out of 10 people, it's about seven, it's a little less than seven right now, um, who die by suicide in the United States are a white male. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about what are the, why? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's been really interesting because I've been learning that in many instances, in particular, white people are losing cultural connection. Mm-hmm. Right? But with cultural connection comes healing, comes tradition, mm-hmm. comes a sense of yourself. Rituals. Rituals. Yes. Belonging. Mm-hmm. Right? There's so many pieces 
that I think you know there there's a price that's paid for assimilation Mm -hmm. and so you know one of the things I'm talking to people about is going on that journey of Mm -hmm. connecting to your to your family history Mm -hmm. connecting to your ancestors Mm -hmm. learning about that part of yourself Mm -hmm. um, you know and helping people to really become in touch and for other people it may be that they know their family history but that their cultural connection is not a part of their regular life so what Mm -hmm. does that mean right Sometimes it's learning about that culture. Sometimes it's reconnecting to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really excited to start looking at uh, what I'm calling right now epic journeys. Oh, what is that? Well, there's all sorts of things. There's incredible stories out there about people, you know, traveling halfway around the world to hike, you know, the Alps and finding themselves in that process. Mm-hmm. Right. So doing something. It's totally outside of what you normally do mm-hmm. as an opportunity to get to know who you really are. Because I think a lot of people, when you ask them, who are you really, they, they don't always know. No, because we're, we're so much into the doing every day, right? All the things that you have to do. That's right. That you, you really lose touch with yourself. And one of the things that you mentioned, and it's funny because I'm, I'm giving a training soon to uh, mental health um, professionals about this and the slide that I have is just one big word joy Mm. this is something that we have lost yeah we have lost touch with joy because we focus so much in happiness yes right yeah so I was wondering if that's one of the things that you talk about. It's funny you say that because I, I hadn't thought about why I use the word joy in my slide mm-hmm. today, but I do use the word joy. Yeah. I don't use the word happiness. You know, I think happiness is a myth. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Life is filled with ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And if the goal is happiness, I, I don't think you're going to get there. It doesn't last. It doesn't last, no. right? And But joy means being present in the moment. And being able to appreciate, you know, those joyful things that happen. And, you know, sort of back to what you said before. Yes, we're a culture of do, 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 do. But we're also, and and I think that it's getting worse, but maybe I'm being an old fogey when I say that. (laughs) We're also really superficial in that so many of our relationships are based on social media and not Mm. real human connection. Yeah. Right? And so that's why another one of the things that I'm talking about is the Gaelic term is anamkara, mm. which is a soul friend. Mm-hmm. You know, because we focus so much, and I do it too, right? So this isn't that I'm innocent of it by any means, but we spend so much time worrying about what everybody thinks of us, including people we really don't care that much what they think of us, mm-hmm. right? And then sometimes so little time and the people who really do mean the most to us. And so just asking people to think about where are you putting your emotional energy? Mm-hmm. Are you putting it into the people who are going to be there with you through it all? Or are you putting it into the people who once you leave your job or they leave their job, you'll probably never really talk to yeah. again? Or even worse, you talked about social media. People you never met and you never will. Right. Why right. on earth should you care? That's right. So when you say joy, yes, I totally agree that it's, you know, finding awe and joy and and having fair and realistic expectations too, right? Life's not going to be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. It's going to mm-hmm. have hardships. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, so I'm excited to be looking at this other layer and, and hopefully a deeper layer mm-hmm. of how do we, you know, I, I think of it as recover, but other people today said it's about filling the well. Yeah. So how do yeah. we do that? How do we yeah. fill the well? Yeah. Um, and I, I think the answers really start with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love when you, when you talked about the, the experience of physical exhaustion and then you connected the dots with, well, I felt like this in the past. And when was that? And it was through your grief, right? Yes. When losing your, your best friend and all of these things, we lose touch with all of it when we're grieving. And we don't think we have the right to have joy, especially in suicide loss, because there's so much guilt involved. Yeah, for me... You know, and this I think is there. There was there's always guilt. I not always. Often there's guilt. Often, yeah. But I think for me too. You know, my best friend had she died on her seventh suicide attempt. Oh. So I had been on this journey with her for five years. Hmm. I'm sorry, six years. And on some level, I certainly feared that she was going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to stop it and so for me it wasn't as much guilt as it was the realization that there are things that no matter how much I love you I cannot stop and that really did impact the essence of who I am mm-hmm. you know because at 20 years old like you can do everything right there's nothing mm-hmm. you can't do yeah. and it was really earth shattering to realize that there are situations that will happen in our life and of course I've had to learn it over and over since then right Mm -hmm. but that no matter how much you love somebody you can't stop things yeah how do you think it changed your essence or your soul well I can tell you one of the things I talk about is the automation Mm -hmm. um becoming nearly robotic Right and uh, very dark in the way that I saw everything, mm-hmm. you know. And I had uh, I was really consumed by the anger of the world that had failed her, and she had been failed, right? So that's that's not a, meant to be a blaming statement because we know that blaming is not beneficial and in fact can be mm-hmm. really harmful. Yeah. But in many but there is responsibility. There yeah, is. Not blame, but responsibility That's many right. times. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, I feel like we have to acknowledge when we fail so that we can try to learn and do better. Mm-hmm. And she was failed over and over and over again by the mental health system, by the school system, by yeah. other important people in her life. Um, and so the anger was all-consuming. Mm. And... and you know, and there was nowhere, at 20 years old for me, there was nowhere to put it, right? Because there was nothing that would bring her back. So no matter how mad I was, I couldn't take on the school system. I couldn't take on the mental health system. Yeah. I, there was, it, the powerlessness was so immense um, that, you know, I lived in that place of terrible anger. And, and it's taken me a long time, right? Because that's not, I hope that's not the essence of who I am, right? To be mm-hmm. that angry. And I have had to work incredibly hard because in this work, as you know, I'm still up against systems that are failing. Yes. 
right? Yeah. And in having in having to come to the realization again that you can't change everything. I can't right? change everything. I right. can only change my little piece. Yeah. Um, and so I've had to learn, you know, soul care. I've had to learn how to nurture the essence of who I am while also fighting for change. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that is a very delicate balance. It is. It's not easy. No, it's not easy. No. What helped you, Sarah, do you think? A million things. Hmm. Uh, I will tell you right now for sure that as far as my managing the loss, the number one thing, um, and I'm going to date myself again when I say this, is you know I knew that there were support groups mm-hmm. back then. I did not feel that I could go to them for two reasons. Um, the first one was I thought her family might be there, and I didn't want that. Um, and the second reason was I was just a friend. Oh. And yeah. um, and by the way, it wasn't just me who felt that way. I had had people really say like, "Aren't when are you going to get over this? It was just a friend." She was just a friend. Yeah. Right. And so I did not feel that I could go to these groups because it was really, you know, back then suicide loss survivor really meant family. The family, yeah. Um, so I didn't go, and I lived in this tragedy extremely alone. You know, because within probably three months, people were starting to ask me when I was going to get over it. Oh. Right? And so the anger, right? It was just anger and more anger and then more anger and then more alone and then more angry. I gained 60 pounds the first year that she died. In that first year, I gained 60 pounds. Think about that. That's a lot wow, of weight. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so after it was, um, I want to say, seven Seven, eight years after she died, I was on Yahoo, and it might have been a little bit less. I'd, I'd have to really think about it, but I was on Yahoo. Good old Yahoo. Good old <laughs> Yahoo, right? It's where it all began. And I found a suicide loss survivor group, and I didn't have to walk into the room because I could send an email. Okay. So I sent an email, and I said, I don't know if I'm allowed to be part of the group. Because I'm just... Because she was just my yeah. friend. And they wrote back, um, and I remember the woman's name, and, and said, there's no such thing as just. Wow. You, of course you can come. And these people, I never saw their faces. Because uh-huh. this wasn't the day of Facebook when you could like scroll through everybody's or profile or, or Zoom. Zoom. Yeah. I never heard their voices. I never saw their faces. This was all emails. Hmm. But this group of people embraced me, and I realized that so many of the things I had been been feeling and sitting in by myself that they were things that almost all people who had lost a loved one were feeling um and so that was that social connection yeah and so I think that was the starting place of you know Mm -hmm. regaining but it's been years I think that's the thing a lot of people who haven't experienced suicide loss don't understand it is years. It is. It's a long process. Yeah. And it's. I don't think it's ever done. Mm-mm. No. no. I don't it's think a journey, it's right? It's a journey. Journey is only done when it's done. Right. <laughs> right. I think it won't be done till I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, where can my listeners find you? I know you're a prolific author. You have six books. 
I do. Four of them are uh, Guts, Grit, and the Grind, the Mental Mechanics Manuals. Mm -hmm. um, so those are all, and, and what I'm really proud of those books, they're all men's stories okay. of their climbing out of the darkness. Mm -hmm. um, so those are all on Amazon. I also have a novel that I wrote uh, because I specialize in law enforcement. And so it is based on uh, the suicide fatality of a law enforcement officer. Mm -hmm. um, that's called The Price. It is a tough book, so fair warning. I really wrote it. Um, to help people understand the complexity of suicide mm -hmm. and also that blame game. Yeah. I wanted people to see how that blame game happens. And um, so that's called The Price, and that's on Amazon as well. And then last but not least, and this is probably my real soul book, mm -hmm. um, is I wrote a children's book called Good Night Grace. And it helps families to talk to a child about the substance use disorder of a parent. Oh, fantastic. I want to take a look at yes. that. Yes, yeah. and my main character is uh, a sloth oh. named Grace, <laughs> and she's based off a real child. And oh. I had been called by a friend to come and support this child who was going through really the same experience that's in the book. Uh, and I realized, wow, if I'm a clinician and it's this hard to know how to talk to a 10-year-old. Can you imagine the parents? Well, yeah. imagine it, uh, the grandparents. Friends and the grandparents, yeah. Trying to explain this yeah. to a 10-year-old. Okay. Um, and so... Do you have a website? I do. It is sarahgare.com. Can you just... Uh, spell it out? Spell it out sure. because of the gear. It's not an easy gear. It is not an easy gear. <laughs> it's uh, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, and the gear is G-A-E-R.com. Okay, thank you so much for talking to us and sparing some of your busy, I know you're having busy days ahead of, ahead of you here at the conference. And yeah, I'll be back, come back tomorrow. I have more inter interesting interviews, but I have to say of all day today, I've been here since 8.30 in the morning. So 8.30 to 6.30. And yours was the one that I went like, wow, cool. She found a name, she named it. A lot of people in the room were just saying thank you so much for describing how I felt because it is how we feel. We know, and, and of course, people are so quick to diagnose and they say, oh, it's depression because you're feeling exhausted. And we just know it's way more than that. And the expression, I mean, just the title, soul exhaustion, says it all. It just encompasses everything. To me, it was really good and I will incorporate in all my all my grief classes because I think it's important to come up with something new that that explains what how we we feel right and it's kind of universal so thank you so much for you for your work for your books and yes be back tomorrow okay thank you so much for spending your time with me goodbye thank you so much You've been listening to Understand Suicide, the podcast of journalist and therapist Paula Fontanelli. If you've been touched by suicide and believe your story might help others, please consider contacting Paula through her website, understandsuicide.com. <laughs>